0: And one of the things we've been working on as a church and going through actually for over a year now is the idea of moving from a pastor-led church to an elder-led church, a plurality of elders. Oh, okay, that's what John was doing.
1: Whoa. That's awesome. Well, you that's go. our snack.
0: Um, to go from a pastor-led church, the CEO model of a church, to go towards... a a plurality of elders and some people are thinking like i've never seen that before i grew up in a church and there was a pastor and and he was the preacher and we did what he said and sometimes we didn't and and then he'd leave the church and then a new pastor would come in and we would do what he said and and I, i understand i grew up in a church like that too a lot of us that's the only thing we've ever seen but if you look at the word of god it might be that god opens your eyes it might be that God changes your perspective. Are, are you willing? Are you open this morning? Yeah? Okay, good. Look with me in Acts chapter 1. Now this is just after Jesus ascended. In fact, that happens in Acts chapter 1. Jesus says, okay, apostles, disciples, I want you to stay here and, until you s- receive the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 1-8, it's a very, very important verse that, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's where we're at right now, right? And so what happens? Well, you see the apostles. And can I say the apostles are the original elders? They were the first ones. They were anointed by Jesus. And then you'll see the other elders were anointed by the apostles and other elders. And that has gone on and it's been affirmed through the people of God to this day. But the first chapter of Acts, you see something happen. The the apostles get together and they say to themselves, what do do we have here? Uh, There was this guy named Judas. He betrayed Jesus. And it was just as the scriptures foretold. But Judas, we, we need to replace this guy. And so how did they do it? Well, it's kind of funny, actually. They didn't have any precedent at this point. But they said, you know what, let's pray, and then we'll, throw, we'll roll the dice. <laughs> okay? Does that sound really spiritual? It's like some of you with your devotions, you're like, I don't know where to read, so I'm going to just like, this is where I'm reading today. You know, don't act like you've never done that before. <laughs> but, but you know what, they trusted and believed. They were working together as a team, and they said, God is going to do this. He's going to show us. Which one of these men are going to be an apostle? And so they chose a guy named Matthias. All right? Now, what's interesting is there was a guy named Barnabas. Actually, Joseph at that point, he didn't get picked. But Barnabas plays a really key role in the whole rest of the book of Acts. And he was not chosen as an apostle, but he became an elder. Anyhow, so that's Acts chapter 1. And then you see all kinds of things happen. I'm going to race off a bunch of, we're going to go all over the Bible today. Is that okay? We're going to go through all kinds of things. Um, Acts chapter 5, we see discipline in the church where somebody lies. Um, Acts chapter 6, it's just amazing. You see over and over again these groups, this, this apostleship, these elders, they meet together and prayerfully discuss what to do. Okay, now I'm going to take you to Acts chapter 10 and 11. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go through this verse by verse, but I want to tell you, this is one of my favorite stories in the New Testament because it's so powerful, and I'm so amazed at the humility and the unity of these men of God. Acts chapter 10, we see that Peter, he gets a vision. I don't know what he's doing. Are you guys okay? Yep. You're good? All right. Peter gets a vision from God, and there's this sheet coming down from heaven, and I'm thinking, like, what? A sheet? Who puts food on a sheet? Well, I guess if you're having a picnic or something. But a sheet comes down, and all of a sudden there's this food that Peter, who is a Jew, raised a Jew. He was a solid Jew. He would obey the rites and rituals of the Jewish faith. All of a sudden, the voice of God says to Peter, take and eat bacon cheeseburger. Eat it. Eat, eat the shellfish. Eat the lobster. And Peter says, never, God, I would never do that. And God says, what I've cleansed, don't call unclean. Do you realize what a, what a crazy curveball this was? The only thing they had ever, like, the, the people of Israel had all of these distinctives. One of them was that they had only one God that they worshipped. But another one, well, there was circumcision. We don't have to go into that, do we? But then a third one was their dietary restrictions. And it was, a, it was part of who they were as a people. And so for God to say, hey, take this and eat this, Peter, it was just such a shock to him. So again, God said, no, take this and eat this because what I've cleansed don't call unclean. And Peter was thinking about that. He's thinking, what is this? What is God saying? What is he doing? And all of a sudden, there's this guy named Cornelius that shows up. Cornelius actually had sent some messengers because he had received a vision from God. Send people to this house at this time, and I will have a guy there, and he's going to come and listen to what he says. And so, just as Peter was reflecting on this, there was a knock on the door. Peter went with these messengers back to Cornelius' house, shared with them the love of Jesus, shared with them the gospel, that Jesus came for us, he died for our sins, and was raised again. And, and it was just as the scripture said he would. And they believed, and they received the Holy Spirit. And Peter had never seen this before, and he was thinking, this is This is crazy. What do I do with all of this? And then then he said, okay, (laughs) you guys are now followers of Jesus. And he baptized them. And he came back to Jerusalem. And the other apostles, the other believers, they looked at Peter and said, what have you just done? You heretic. And that's where we pick up in, in Acts chapter 11, if you'd look there. Paul... Actually, his name is Peter. I don't know why I said Paul. Paul's coming up later, okay? Sorry about that. Peter responds to the church, and he says what happened. He gave them an account in the first part of chapter 11, and then look in verse 16. He says, uh, verse 15, is that what I said? As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as he did on us. In the beginning, he's referring to to acts chapter two where the spirit of god just flooded the church he said the spirit of god fell on them just as he did on us verse 16 and i remember the word of the lord how he said john baptized with water but you will be baptized with the holy spirit so he remembered the words of jesus and all of a sudden the light bulb came on in peter's mind and he said oh jesus said this sort of thing would happen In verse 17, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. Who's they? The other apostles. They fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Isn't that amazing? Do you realize what humility that takes? To have believed one thing your whole life and known this is how it's got to be your whole life, and then to encounter God saying, no, something different, that God would have the, the, the ability and the authority in their life to challenge them? And as a group, they, it says they, they said this is what God is doing, and they rejoiced and they glorified God. You see them working as a group. You see it all throughout Acts. And in fact, I think we've got a handout later on that we can hand out to you guys. If you want to do some homework, we'd love for you guys to do it. We have a lot of scriptures. And Chuck, in his, in his uh, you know, studiousness, he, uh, he went through this and he, he prepared this for you guys. Because he wants, we all want you to realize what God did in the New Testament. But here's what it is. God established a team. We even see in Genesis, or Genesis, Galatians 2, if you'd flip over there really quick. I love this, Galatians 2. Because in Acts 15, you see this thing called the Jerusalem Council. Well, that's the apostles, once again, saying, what do we do with the Gentiles? Do they need to be circumcised or do they not? Can they follow Jesus in their old ways and just not have to be Jews to come to Jesus? Or, or, or what? And so they met and they council, and they talked about this. And as a group, they talked and they prayed now listen there were some apostles that had more influence than others peter james and john and later we see paul but there's guys like matthias there's guys like bartholomew they had a vote too they had a say as well and so you see different men stepping up and having more influence but they were all elders they were all apostles Together, and they made choices together because who was the head of the church? Quiz. Who was the head of the church? Jesus. Jesus. It was God. They were saying, okay, what is God doing? And when we all believe this, we'll we'll follow that, and we'll make those decisions. And so here we are in uh, Galatians chapter 2. I've got it in my phone Bible. Here it is. I love this passage. It's one of my favorite passages. I love, you remember Galatians 2.20? Paul says, for I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's not I who live. It's Christ who lives in me and the life that, that I now live in the flesh. I live with by the faith of the Son of God who gave his life for me. I love that. But in that same context, in the pretext, he says um, that he went and he opposed Peter to his face, because it says in verse 11, when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. Okay, here's Paul. If you know anything about the history of Acts, which by the way, the book of Acts, it, it, it goes for about 35 years. It goes from just after Christ was ascended, it goes through most of the history of the New Testament is in the context of the book of Acts. There's only a few uh, books at the end that aren't part of the book of Acts. I know I'm talking an awful lot. <laughs> I'll get to you guys in a second. No but I Peter.
1: He's a teaching pastor, preaching pastor.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> so Peter, oppo- he was opposed by Paul to his face. Can you imagine the audacity of that? I'm Peter! I'm the Peter! Have you ever walked on water, Apostle Paul? I don't think so. I have. But here was Paul, and he had the, the right, the position, and the authority to challenge Peter to his face. And Peter receives that, and he repents, and he changes. And that's the context in which Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. That's what it takes. Did you know that? That's what it takes to be part of this family of, of God. There's going to be things that happen that's not your preference. It's not like, I, I prefer this. Or I, I was thinking this was right, but actually, now that, you, now that you mention it, you're right. That's what God is doing. That's what it takes to be a part of the family of God. It, it takes that. The old Ben is dead. He's gone. And God is living through me. Can I simplify it for you? In one word, what is an elder? Shepherd. Write it down. Shepherd. It's what an elder is. And and what's funny is you see in shepherds in the New Testament when when Jesus was born, shepherds were in the field. It was shepherds plural, which is interesting. It wasn't just one shepherd lonely out there trying to protect from all these different wolves. But there was a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd does basically three things. He feeds and provides for the flock, right? Right? He protects the flock, and then he makes sure that the flock is multiplying, right? If the flock isn't growing, if they're not making more sheep, then they're going to go out of business pretty soon. It's part of the job. So God has called us to be shepherds together at Cross Point. Jim, go ahead. Take it away. Woo! Sorry about that.
1: Good preaching. Well, that's, you know, that's again why I said, Ben, you've been appointed as our preacher-teacher. He always has great things to say. We all want to take part today just to try to show that the elders, as we've prayed and become choices from this church to become your elders, I just want to share how the last few weeks and the last few months, us four have really just come before the Lord in things that need to take place within this church and and bonded us better than I've ever seen in a church that I've served in for a long time. One of the neat things, well, I shouldn't tell them this part maybe, but we've even had group hugs, you guys. Oh. That is crazy. Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: group hugs at first, it's like, whoa, we're men, wait a minute, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden it happened. It just happened. And that's when God's really working within you, I think, that the Spirit of the Lord's within teaching us and training us, and we just want to be brothers that not only love each other but love Jesus. So I just wanted to point that out. My part today is a little bit shorter and a little bit different part of it. We're going to look at scripture, how is an elder pastor somewhat appointed? And we want to say that it it's individually a desire. I'm going to take you to Timothy uh, 1, 3, or 3, 1 in just a minute, but it's a desire of the Holy Spirit working within somebody that, that as they Come to know the Lord and, and, and be touched by the Holy Spirit, that God gives you a desire to be a leader, and then to take action in that. Look at, with me, 1 Timothy 3, one, and it's going to talk the whole area. I'm not going to get into all of it, but it, un, what I'm going to read you is how that takes place, and then underneath that area, we'll tell you what it takes to be that person, and you know, we're not perfect but God has specifically said what it would take for this person who has that desire. But listen to what he says here. Again, 1 Timothy 3.1. He is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer, which overseer is an elder, desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach and keeps going. And tells all the things that that's required of that person. But that word aspires. And then to take action. If God aspired that in us individually. I want to just point that out. That's the first steps to becoming that elder or pastor. And I want to take you to a couple more scripture. When that happens. And God and the Holy Spirit's been within you. and, And you have a desire. I had a desire early in my life, to serve him and to be a youth minister, pastor, that desire, then what takes place after that desire happens, and we feel then we're ordained by God. I want you to look in Scripture, Acts 20, 28, I have it all marked, you know, I'm the guy that has to, like a typical guy, I have it, he has it in his you know, walking telephone there, I have a walking Bible, so I have to flip around a little bit. But look at Acts 20, 28. Mm. It says this, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's that word again. Be shepherds of what? Be shepherds, as he was talking, Ben was just talking about that, shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with his own blood, which he bought it with his own blood. So we feel that God, if he calls you, and you know that, and that desire's there, then God is going to actually ordain you. And then how's that? And it's always affirmed by other elders or pastors. Look quickly at Acts, again, go to Acts 14, 23. It says this, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders... So we see other elders, what Ben was talking about right here, appoints other elders for them in each of the churches, and with prayer, fasting, commitment, them committing them to the Lord and to whom they had put their trust. So as an appointment comes, first I feel I'm called, then God affirms my calling. The third thing is other pastors or other elders then say, yes, we believe that you, your standards of how you're living and all the other things that in, that are in Acts and Timothy other places we confirm that and then we are brought on by other pastors or elders and that's kind of how it works I wanted to just take you some of you as we've gone through this thing and, and my desire today also is just to let you know who Chaplain Jim is a little bit how did some of what I've heard sometimes is that we have just seeking God and, and trying to figure out who's really our lead pastor and all the things we're trying to do as we're a team. But you know, unfortunately, somewhat what happened with, with I'm just going to take you in a couple places real quick. Myself and Ben came on this way, and you really didn't have a chance like we did when, when Chuck came and we wanted a Malay elder. He was appointed and voted on. When we affirmed John as a pastor and actually ordained him right here from another pastor when Pastor Bud was here, you witnessed that. But you didn't get a chance to really know somewhat, to be honest, who, who I am. And and even you know Ben because he grew up in this church. <laughs> and his history is here. And so a lot of you that are here know him personally and know that he is a man of God and and really wants what's best for this church. And that's why he's here. And that's why I'm here. But God brought me in a different realm. So real quickly, just to give you a little bit of who is Chaplain Jim. Twenty-some years of youth ministry in different two different churches in Auburn. And then as I felt led to somewhat of a different role, I, I was an administrator in, in another position in the same church I had got out of the youth ministry and went into administration with another church. So quite a few years there. Then my heart said, I love, and don't take this (laughs) wrong out there, I love our senior saints and people who need help, the homeless, the people that are desiring to just know who Jesus was and struggling in life. And I had the opportunity 10 years ago to become an ordained chaplain, and how God took me to Not only working with veterans that are homeless, but other people and other aspects to go into care homes and preach and teach to those people who are brought that still have a desire but kind of left. Or the hurting. And that's where God has taken my life. And I want you to know that, that that's where I came from. And then I was ordained and, and a pastor in that realm. Pastor Bud saw that on me and came and brought me on here as first as your facility person part-time, and we all grew real quick to know that part-time really was a full-time position to take care of 13 acres and seven big buildings, but I loved doing that, and then God also knew my heart, and so did your pastoral staff at the time, and that led me into the care ministry or visitation ministry as our great I think he's great. Pastor Joe decided that he was going to retire, and that gave me the opportunity to what God's really called me to do, is really take care of our flock and desire to help those in hurting and needing. That's where I'm from. And I wanted you to know that. And that because we believe that we've been ordained, we are affirmed by a pastor, and we believe as that is an elder position then, have met the qualifications That's stated in your constitution. You know, we want you to know, too, we continually to pray and search for qualified elders. We also know that we're missing some elders on this team, aren't we? And that we are reworking that constitution, and we're working towards those elders. We want you to know that. That's a desire of our heart, to have lay elders. We're working with four or five men right now, at least I know of four, that we've asked to pray and think about this important position, because we know that's very important to our Constitution. So, I just wanted to close my part saying, this is how God's church is governed, through the Constitution and your pastors in place to bring on people that we feel that God has appointed and ordained and and seek their heart and hear their desires. I like what Ben said, I consider us Not just shepherds, but we are under shepherds, but of who? We're under shepherds of Jesus Christ. So we're his under shepherds, becoming your shepherds to all work together. I love that. And we uh, are to be elders based on decisions. We base all our decisions that we are trying to do for your church here through scripture and long hours of prayer. And we want to let you know that. My challenge is that maybe you'll write down Timothy three one through seven and Titus one six through nine. Write those down and read through those, and that's my part. Awesome, Chuck.
2: Thank you, thank you, Jim. Thank you, Ben. I have. Uh, I'm going to stay here seated. So, uh, <laughs> in case you're wondering, um, I really have grown to love these guys and our relationship, both with the Lord and one another corporately. Has, uh, has been a wonderful experience and uh, God has challenged us personally and uh, we are glad to serve you as uh, Lord's under shepherds. So I want to talk about, uh, kind of my assignment was to talk about are there age restrictions for an elder? Now the reason I would want to talk about that is because of John being so young.
1: And there
2: is biblical precedent for this, and uh, some of you may know that already. And uh, so in light of that, though, I kind of want to go over some territory Jim already went over. One is that what are the general qualifications? And if you look at 1 Timothy Timothy chapter 3, and Titus 1 is an example, uh, Jim kind of gave that to you as homework to read that. There's no mention of age, just to start there. But there is a lot of mention of something else. Jim mentioned aspiring and also the word desire. And it's interesting in the very first verse that those two words are used. One is an inward desire, okay? The word desire would be the inward wanting of this uh, call of God to be a leader in the local church. The other word aspire in the New American Standard is the word and you're reaching out for it. You're doing something about it because I feel that God has called me There are certain things I desire. One is the word of God. I desire to know the word of God. I desire my life to be right before him. I desire to do anything. I don't care what it is. I will clean toilets for you. It doesn't matter. There's a service that is within your heart and expressed outwardly to serve the body of Christ because they want to serve the Lord. So those are incredibly important things. And then, of course, the character part just isn't it interesting that rather than God giving us a job description, as we think of, you know, type 60 words a minute, blah, 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 <laughs> you know, able to organize thousands of people within 15 minutes and those kind of things, you know, <laughs> he talks about who we are before him, our character. And those are ultimately the most important thing. So here, I kind of put a timeline down for how would we approve an elder, what, what's kind of the method... To do that biblically. One is we want somebody who's fully qualified in accordance with Scripture, which is character, giftedness. You know, do they have the gifts? How is their walk with God? Are we observing that behind closed doors as well as in public? That is very, very important. Ultimately, they're going to be for, formally examined, and I just want to let you know that John has been, okay? He took a very, very difficult oral board and written test, Okay, that's part of it, that's only part of it, did, and he did well. And the other is service. There's a vetting process, if you want to call it that. Do we see him, do we see that man that says he's called by God serving faithfully in some way so that we, you all and I, see that they in fact are called of God? John has proven that through his work with the youth, his worship team, and many many hours uh, that he and Sarah, Sarah both—I don't want to forget Sarah. Okay, she also has sacrificed along with her husband. So that proves also the idea of the character quality of your marriage relationship and all those things. John has proven that, and I know I'm embarrassing him by mentioning these things, but uh, I love John and I have seen this. Uh, incidentally, I'm not the hugger type. Okay, and he does it. And. Uh, But I really have grown to love these brothers, so uh, I had to caveat that, you know. (laughs) So, uh, So you're fully qualified in accordance with Scripture, which is your character, your gifting, your walk with God. You're formally examined, which includes that ability of the body of Christ to be able to see the life. Is it really true? Is it really of the Lord? And finally, there's a public installation where we've done all of that. You affirm that John is called by God, either by vote or by testimony. And then we ordain him, which is kind of that formal thing where he gets, gets a certificate, he gets the elders pray over him and all that kind of thing. We have a formal ceremony up front. So that's kind of the thumbnail sketch of all of that together and, and how it happens. And we did that because we felt John was called of God, and that he is a man of God. Now, I want to talk more specifically the other point is elders are appointed by elders. But lest those elders be fools, they appeal to the body of Christ and say, look, we're thinking this man may be called of God, that he may be a fellow elder. What do you all think? We give you time to think about that because maybe, maybe there's things you've seen in my life or someone else's, and you go, I don't know about Chuck. There's a, a but there, you know. And that gives you a chance, gives the Holy Spirit a chance, the elders a chance to make a wise decision about that particular person who's chosen. So, um, And there's instances in Scripture uh, that have already been read. Now, the question that we're actually, actually looking at is, are there age restrictions? And this would be in regard to John specifically, but really all men. There may be young men out here right now who think, Maybe I am a cult of God. Do I have to turn 30 before that? You know, like they did if you want to be a member of the synagogue, a leader? OK, a rabbi. Um, but in Scripture, there is nothing like that. In fact, in Timothy, the first letter to Timothy, Paul says this. he says in verse four, chapter four, verse 12, "Let no one look down on your youthfulness, Timothy, but rather in speech, conduct, love. Faith and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. So obviously he was getting some heat by somebody saying, you're too young to lead us. And you know what Timothy was doing? He not only was an elder, he was an elder appointing elders. How about that? And he was a young guy. But God had called that young man. So there's no mention of age there. And Paul, in fact, goes out of his way to encourage Timothy to hang in there and to verify, no, you are called of God, Timothy. Don't let that be a hang-up for you. Don't let that get you down, although you're young. I want to tell you examples of young men in ministry from the Bible. You know these guys. Joseph, he was a teenager. Mm -hmm. David was a teenager when he was first called. Daniel was a teenager. John Mark was a teenager. Timothy, I'm not sure how old Timothy was, but he was young. Okay? And just to let you know, I thought... Historically, you may know these men. There's a young man in the 1700s. His name was David Brainerd. He died at 29. But at a very young age, in his late teens, early 20s, he was noted for his work with the American missionaries. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jonathan Edwards. He was a, an intellect. He was an intellectual guy, a pastor in the East. And during the same time period, And he looked up to this young man who was probably 30 years his junior at the time because of his example of holiness and conduct, just like Paul exhorts Timothy to be. Robert Murray McShane, anybody heard of Robert Murray McShane, another pastor, missionary in the early 1800s, Church of Scotland, died at 29 years old. He said this, how mature would you have to be to say this as a young man? It is not great talent, God blesses, so much as great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. What a beautiful testimony. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I don't know how much you know about Charles Spurgeon. You know when he, his first church was? He was 17 years old. 17? Is that crazy? Well, maybe to the world. But obviously, he had a great testimony for Christ. And uh, for about 38 years, he uh, preached very strongly. And uh, I think his second church, he was in his early 20s. Okay? So John's an old man compared to Charles Spurgeon. So uh, Jim Elliott, you've heard of him with the Alka Indians in the 50s and how he was killed by the Alkas. And then uh, his wife... And the other ladies, Elizabeth Elliot at that time, they went back to the Alki Indias, the same ones that murdered their husbands, five men. Okay, and that's the kind of women these were. But Jim Elliot said something wonderful, and he died at 29 when he was murdered. So in his very, very early 20s, he was a pastor already. He was ordained, preaching and teaching. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That was Jim Elliott's attitude as a young man about Jesus and about his life. So this, there is no age restriction. Obviously, you know, there's a, a vetting process. There's wisdom in that. So John has been called by God, and I am—I'm am love John. I love that he's here. I love each one of us is so different. <laughs> if you know us, you know how different we are, and yet how complimentary our relationship has been with one another, and it's been a tremendous blessing and privilege to, to serve with these men.
1: i got to say, I'm the, I'm the oldest one, but they have a hard time keeping up with me. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll admit that. That's
3: true. Ahead, awesome. Should I stand or sit down? I don't know. That's a, life's pretty good when that's the hardest decision you have to make in the morning. Um, or I'll stand, as you can see. Um, I'm glad Chuck said all that after I had, uh, when Ben said Paul instead of Peter, I lean over to Chuck and I say, well, Jesus knew he was going to call Paul, so why did why did Jesus even change Peter's name, right? Because from Simon to Peter. And he was like, John, that wasn't in English. <laughs> I knew that. So I'm glad he said all that after I make a stupid comment like that. Um, it was half joking. Are you guys awake? I know they're like, okay, we're going to give you the last spot, right, when everyone's really attentive, when everyone's really paying attention. Uh, we'll give you that spot. Uh, maybe they won't pay attention and hear what you have to say. Maybe that's what they're hoping. All right. So I have a, I'm going to start with a little story. Um, I, I've been at camp for the last three weeks, and I got to sit with this this older guy around... 50, 60 years old. Some of you, that's super old. Some of you guys, that's like like, super young. Um, But uh, I got to sit with this guy, and I love that's that's why I'm here is um, I love sitting with people that are older than me that have so much wisdom. Um, They have so much wisdom, and they have the best stories, and they've learned how to tell the best stories. So this guy... Uh, his name is Scott. Not your guys is Scott. You guys don't know this, Scott. He's from out of town. And I sit with him at the beach, and we're just talking, and, and he tells me a story about him in high school. And he's, he's, there's this girl in high school named Marcella, and he's got second and fifth period with this girl, and he, he decides to get to know her, and then he gets to know her, and then he asks her out on a date. So he says Friday. We're going to go out on a date. I'm going to take you to a movie. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get dinner. So Scott goes. Uh, it, it's Friday, and Scott goes to her house and, and knocks on the door. And she opens the door, and, and Scott's super romantic, and he says, hey, are you ready? And she says, yeah. So they go, and they, they eat uh, at an Italian restaurant, and then they go to a movie. Three hours have gone, has gone by. They're walking back together, and he says, I had a great time. Did you have a great time? She said, yes, I had a wonderful time. So he, he walks up to her house, opens the door, and then he looks in and he sees, he sees double. He sees someone who's in her dress and has a purse on. And it looks like she's getting ready to go on a date. A twin. And so the girl that he's on a date with darts to her room. And the other girl runs to the door and, and, and knocks, Melissa. You do this every time.
1: <laughs>
3: and so Scott's a little slow so he's figuring out that this girl's identical twin stole her date. <laughs> <laughs> what? I you can't write that. I don't my goodness. So that's the power of taking your time, right? That's the power of of he Scott realizes he t- he tells me he says he says man I should have waited a little bit I should have gone in her house I should have you know taken some time right and it it just reminded me it's a it's kind of a, you kind of have to force it to work right but but when when pastor bud left right the clock started for us people were like we got to do this we got to choose this person we got to we got to follow Every other church's protocol on how to how to call someone, and I I remember just sitting with these men, and 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 we're like, what are we gonna do? And it was the first thing was, let's take a breath, let's pray, and let's let's give it. We as we prayed, we we heard from God, we we heard that we want to give it at least six months to heal, to get to know our church body, to understand. Each other like I did not love these guys as much as I do now, you know. They each of them, we all have our the things that annoy each other, and we have to work through it and and argue and and. But we also have to go to we went to Lassen Pines and and threw snowballs at each other and, and Chuck Chuck shared his testimony testimony with us and we prayed together and we have to go through those growing times too, um, and uh, those six months were we 're at that six month mark now, and I wanted to 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 make it known to you guys that that we took time because it says in the Bible, let me find my spot uh, it says to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. we know that one right proverbs three five mm-hmm. we know that one, but we don 't always do it right we we wanted to obey this verse we wanted to to trust in the lord another translation say wait on the lord we didn't we didn't want to take other people's opinions we didn't want to take our own opinions we wanted to hear what god was telling us as as elders as leaders of the church and that's that's what true faith is faith is complete trust and confidence in someone or something and we wanted to say, we as elders at CrossPoint, we are our full trust and faith is in Christ. And then, so so I'm going to ask you: Will you join us? Will you will, you, will you trust us as as elders as we are waiting on on Christ to show us what's next? Will you, as a body, join us in that? And I've I've got other other examples about that. I've got immediately I thought about Job. He could, have, he could have ended the suffering so many times, but he, he endured the suffering against the advice of his friends, against the advice of his own wife, and look how that ended for him with blessing. David could have taken his kingship. I can't remember how many times he could have killed Saul and what, two or three? He could have, he could have ended Saul and became king but God, that wasn't in God's plan, right? Mm-hmm. We can we can have a pastor, we can have someone. It's it's easy. There are people looking, right, wanting to get in. But that doesn't mean it's God's will. We can either trust in our own understanding, or trust in the Lord. Uh, one thing that one that was on all our hearts was before. And this has to do with elders. Before, before Jesus called his, his 12, he fasted and prayed and he heard from God who it will be, who the next, the next disciples will be, who his 12 are. And that's what, that's what we have to do and what we are doing. We're, we're fasting, we're praying um, to see who God has to add as, as elders. So James, James writes um, to Christians who are suffering, and he says, My brethren, take, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Right? That's, that's talking about enduring this life, enduring persecution as Christians tell Jesus comes back, and we're asking at Cross Point Community Church that, that we're enduring all these things together because we 've seen over and over and over again in the Bible and, and in my life and in your lives that when you wait on the Lord, good things come, good things come to those who wait. So may this be uh, Colossians 312 through 15 and I 'll wrap it up by saying this as i i mentioned earlier that i really had these 6 months i need these 6 months to even like these people right so so this is the verse that god brought to me as i was struggling to like ben just kidding just to, as i was <laughs> as i was struggling working with all the different opinions and 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 leading helping lead this church this is this is the Passage that God brought to me. It's Colossians 3, 12 through 15. Many of you know it. Since God chose you to be holy people, He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. So let's, let's, let's go cross point. Let's go in thankfulness. And let's clothe ourselves with what is of God. And let's go forth. Sound good? I'm so excited for this time. Good. Right.
0: So the... You, you might be sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, what is, what is going on, you know? What, so what? The, the point is, God has always led through his church in teams. Do you understand? He started out, he had a team of 12, and then Judas betrayed him. And so the, the disciples, the apostles at that point, they, they replaced Judas and then they started to grow their team. They started to build more leaders. And what an elder does is he makes more elders. That's one of the functions of an elder. A shepherd makes more sheep, you know. And 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 they grow that. They they develop leaders. And and you see, in in Luke ten, even before Jesus uh, had had been crucified, he sent out his disciples two by two. And you see, Paul, most of his ministry, he was with with Barnabas or with Silas. And I love, and it would be a great study sometime, to go through the life of Barnabas in the book of Acts. The whole church would be so different if it had not been for this guy named Barnabas. Did you know that when Paul, actually, in his conversion in Acts 9, when he gave his life to Jesus, it was Barnabas Mm -hmm. who came and vouched for Saul, Paul, In front of the apostles. They weren't going to listen to this guy. He was crazy. He had been persecuting them. Barnabas stuck his neck out for Paul. Barnabas did so many things. But one of the things he did is he created leaders. Now, the question is, who's your team? Because I know some of you. Okay? I'm looking at your faces. I can see you. (laughs) And I know some of you are going through some horrible storms and trials as I speak. It might be that you're listening on the radio and you're, you're going through horrible trials and storms as I speak. The question is, are you going through it alone? Are you going through it alone? You know, we've been through a difficult season in our church when our pastor abruptly was called to a different ministry. That was tough for us to take. All of us went through some, some tough things. But we've got the word of God We've got the spirit of God, and we've got the people of God. And I think that's enough. Amen? Amen. question is, how about you? How about you? Can I tell one story, and then we'll get out of here? Is that all right? About four years ago, almost to the very month, I was walking a dirt path to a Muslim village in India. This Muslim village had warned me and my two Indian associates who were my partners in ministry. They had warned us, don't come back here. If you come back here, we will beat you. Maybe even worse. This is a Muslim area and you have no authority here. About a month ago, before, about a month before they had told us that and they had said these things. And so me and my two buddies, we were walking And I was thinking to myself, I remember this vividly. We could be walking into our death right now. I thought of these two scrawny young Indian men, and I thought they're certainly walking into their death. I could probably get away, but, uh, you know, all I have to do is outrun them. And I, I just remember thinking, though, we had studied the scriptures together, the three of us. And we had prayed and we realized we need to fear God rather than men. And Jesus said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go! into all the nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And be sure of this, I will be with you to the very end. And so here we were, walking into that village. And you want to know something cool? The very guy, the Muslim leader who was opposing us, gave his life to Jesus. And as we speak now, He's making disciples for Christ. Leading Bible studies for Christ. That's kind of what's happening. Isn't that amazing? But I bring it up. Because if if it had just been me walking to that village, I would have bailed out several times. But I had brothers walking beside me. By myself, it was too much to bear. But with my team... We made it through. And God did something extraordinary. I feel that exact way in our church. That we're in a moment right now as a church. You might be in a moment personally in your life where you're scared. You don't know exactly how everything's going to play out. Maybe you want to bail out. The question is, is, who's your team? Are you walking through this alone? Let people in. That's what the church is supposed to be, we're supposed to be in this thing together. So I would like you to bow your heads, close your eyes, would you stand maybe for a moment? I want you to evaluate in your own hearts, in your own life. What are you going through that you need to let, let people in? What are you going through in your life that God is calling you to confess to others? What are you going through in your life where you don't want to trust people, you don't want to let people in, but that's what God's trying to get you to do. Are you willing to give that to the Lord? As a church, are we willing to surrender our preferences and say, God, I'll do what you want. I'll go with you, God. I'll go with this church body, Lord, as you lead us because I trust you. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's all about you. And right now, Lord, I speak to every heart that's listening, every heart that's that's part of this. God, I pray that you would work in their hearts, Lord, for those people that are just visiting. Like, they don't even know what's been going on here. Lord, I pray for them. This is your word to them, Lord, that they would realize that you've given them the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the people of God, and we're supposed to go through life as a team. Lord, let us have the strength and courage and faith to let people in. Fill us, Holy Spirit, we pray.